Tomoka. What's going on today, Tomoka? <laughs> How's everybody doing out there? I pray God that you are doing well. If not, I pray God that you will be doing better after you hear the message for today. You know, God is incredibly good and we live in an incredibly wonderful time. You know, the series that we're working on right now is called the year of the Lord's favor. And it's kind of, you know, for some folks, it can be kind of weird because what we're talking about is actually being filled with joy right now when everything around you seems to be falling apart. Does anybody understand how weird of a situation that is? It's knowing that everything's going to be all right when everything around you doesn't look like it's all right. You know, it's like knowing that there's a storm happening, but because there's a storm, you know who the wind and the waves obey. They obey his name. So understanding those particular things will allow us to see how God actually operates. Now, God doesn't always do things great for us when times are great. He does stuff great for us all the time. Can anybody understand what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, even when it seems like it's not a great thing that's going on, it's a great thing. Let me give you a little quick example. I remember playing basketball and um, and I'm going up for this layup. And, uh, you know, of course, I made the layup because that's all I ever do is, you know, make the (laughs) At least in my story, that's how it goes. So I make the layup. And when I come down, I come down on a guy's foot and man twisted my ankle horribly. And then in a few seconds, the thing was big. It was like a balloon. So I uh, jumped in the car and I drove to the hospital and I get to the hospital and the doctor says, listen, we're going to have to x-ray this. And I'm thinking, yeah, because I'm pretty sure it's broken. So he takes the x-ray. He comes back and says, I got good news. I go, what's that? He says, not broken. I said, that's good. He said, but even better news. I said, what is that? He said, did you know that there was a pin that was lodged inside your foot? And that pin had been in there so long that it was about to get into your bloodstream. And if it would have got into your bloodstream, it would have followed up to your heart and killed you. So this event of a big swollen ankle and pain actually opened the door for something greater to happen that actually saved me. Is anybody understanding me today? So the point I want you to do is if you look around today and you get enamored with the stuff that you see, then you will be downtrodden. You will be heartbroken. But if you remember that God is greater than everything we see, the greater world is the unseen world. So God is stronger than all things. He's the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. So if we can kind of keep that concept, we'll be okay. Listen, we're human beings, so every now and then our knees will tremble. But that's why we have each other. That's why we're here to support each other. Because when my knees tremble, yours should be strong. And you should encourage me to stand up and go, you know what? Keep your eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes on Jesus because he cannot be defeated. Does that make sense? So in this particular terminology here, this year of the Lord's favor, what God had done over a long period of time, there were yearly celebrations in the Jewish faith. A lot of them, the feasts and the the atonement and all of these kinds of days, they were all yearly celebrations. Celebrated every, 
I want to say 365 days, but the, the, the Hebrew or the Greek calendar always didn't have 365 days, but yearly. They've had yearly celebrations. So when Jesus, when the book of Isaiah mentions this in Isaiah chapter 61, it's talking about a year, a 365 day year. But Jesus comes along and fulfills this prophecy and Jesus turns this year into eternity. Is anybody understanding me today? A day with the Lord is like a, a thousand years, right? So Jesus turns this yearly event into a eternal event. So Jesus is telling us in this particular verse we're going to read here in a second that this is not just a temporary thing. So if you're facing a temporary situation, I need you to know I'm taking care of the temporary, but I'm also taking care of the other situations you will face along the way because I will never leave you nor forsake you. Is everybody still here today? So understanding that helps us to move through this thing. I must caution you today, and it's important. Be careful who you listen to. Because if somebody is telling you that this thing is coming to an end or this thing is going to be ugly or this, all those kinds of things. Jesus says to us, my peace, I leave with you. What was the price of Jesus's peace? How much did he have to pay for that peace? And then Jesus says, my peace, I leave with you. I need us to grasp that today. See, because I'm not going to let anybody steal my peace. I'm not going to let anybody try to design in my mind a picture of failure and destruction and all of those things because I know who my God is. I have lived through failure and destruction and beat downs and all those things. And he lifted me every single time. So I remember who he is. I need you to do the same thing today. He's not a failure. God does not lie. So if somebody is trying to fill you up and by t- when that person leaves your presence, you are frightened, fearful, upset and broken. Something's wrong. Somebody say amen. See, because we as Christians, when we interact with people, when we leave them, they should be like Jesus left them. How many people did Jesus live broken, scared and frightened? No, everybody that interacted with Jesus, their lives were changed for the better. Somebody say amen. Y'all still with me today? So this particular series, which we've been going through, the year of the Lord's favor, I just wanted to make sure we get an idea that this is not just a year. It's not just a moment in time. This is an eternal. And every now and then we may need to be reminded. So let's start this thing. We're going to go to Luke chapter four. And this is Jesus speaking. And um, I love this particular thing. We're going to read it in the amplified translation. Y'all ready to have some fun? I'm not going to keep you long today because it's it's some good stuff. But let me just give you the subtitle of this particular thing. It's the year of the Lord's favor. And it says in this one, it's God is in control through great personal change. Let me say it one more time. God is in control through great personal change. So whenever great personal changes happen or events happen that change how we see a thing or how we perceive a thing, Guess who's still in control? God is. Well, I don't like the way that's going. God is still in control. God didn't say, I I need your permission to move in this direction. I need you to submit to me. Everybody still here? 
Okay, let's read this. Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, he being Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release, pardon, forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. Then he rolled up the scroll, having stopped in the middle of the verse, gave it back to the attendant and sat down to teach and the eyes of all those in the synagogue were attentively fixed on him. He began speaking to them today. Everybody say today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. So all those free and healed and forgiven and all of those terms, it was fulfilled. Why was it fulfilled? Because he was anointed to do, to do this. He came for this purpose. How many of us believe that Jesus came from God to fulfill these things, to fulfill this scripture? So if we believe that, did Jesus fail in his mission? No, he completed his mission. So how long are the benefits from Jesus's mission? Freedom in this case, has no limit. Forgiveness, in this case, has no limit. Are are y'all understanding me? How long are we forgiven for? Forever. So, when we understand that he fulfilled it, because he is the Messiah, he fulfilled this favorable year of the Lord. So, let's just kind of discuss this for a second. Do you feel favorable right now? Do you feel like you're in a favorable position right now? Do you feel like, okay, um, I'm, I'm not real happy. I'm not real glad about the way things are going. Can I tell you something? God didn't make you a palm reader. He didn't determine that you should foresee or foretell the future. He is taking care of that. He already has. I need you to know this. You're not supposed to read the tea leaves of time. Jesus said no man would know the date or the time when he would return. So if he said that, then why are we studying trying to figure out when he's coming back? He said he'd come like a thief in the night. Most thieves come when people don't expect them to come. So what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to hold on to the truth that he gave us when he was here, plus the truth that when he ascended into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. We are supposed to hold on to those things and keep pushing forward. So 
but pastor, it it, it looks like this and it looks like that and it looks like this. (laughs) Yeah, a whole bunch of things look. My ankle looked like it was really serious. But it turned out to be a blessing that I had to get the x-ray so they could remove the needle. God never stops. So here's what I need you to do. Quit trying to read the tea leaves of time. Thank God for who he is right here, right now. But I don't feel comfortable. I'm glad because pruning is not a comfortable situation. Pruning is something God does to us so we can be more fruitful. And I don't know about you. I want to be more fruitful. I want to be able to serve him more. I want to be able to serve him better. So if cutting me back, if pruning me is something that produces that, I'm willing, Lord, prune me and you should be the same. Well, it don't feel comfortable. Pruning shouldn't feel comfortable. But it should be leading you to fruitfulness. Somebody say amen. Is this making sense to you today? Okay, so what I wanted to do was make sure that we had an example of somebody who believed in this, who stood on this. But so also how these incredible changes in society or in the world and the lives of people take place. Great personal change. So go with me and let's have some fun. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. We're going to begin to read the verse number 3. We're going to spend a little time here and unfold this because I think it will be beneficial to us. Acts chapter 9, verse 3, Amplified Translation. As he traveled, he approached Damascus. This is Paul at the time, Saul. As he traveled, he approached Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him, displaying the glory and majesty of Christ. And he fell to the ground. And heard a voice from heaven saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting and oppressing me? This heavenly voice we know is Jesus. But here's the part that was unique. Jesus had already been killed, buried, resurrected. And ascended into heaven. Jesus at the time of this event is sitting on the right hand of God. But the statement says, why are you persecuting and oppressing me? So this me in this particular sentence is not talking about the personal person or one person. That me is us. Paul was persecuting the church. Correct? He had the letter from the Jerusalem council. He was out persecuting the church. But Jesus makes this powerful statement. Why are you persecuting me? Let's read on because I want us to make sure we get this. And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he answered, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So Jesus is claiming his body. Jesus is saying, my body and I are one because I'm not here. So you're not physically persecuting me, but you are persecuting my body, which is me. Are y'all still here this morning? So it's important for us to understand whose body are you? Who do you belong to? Jesus didn't hesitate. He didn't change his mind. He didn't stutter. 
He said, you're persecuting me. So Jesus knew exactly who we are supposed to be. My question to you today, have you forgotten who you are supposed to be? You're no longer you. There's no longer an I involved in this thing. This is the body of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. So Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Paul was persecuting everybody. The Stephans of the world, all of these people, right? He had became very, very, not popular, but feared in the communities because of what he was doing. Who was he persecuting? The body of Christ. I need us to get this today because I don't want you to ever separate yourself from who you are. Can anything defeat Jesus? Can anything stop Jesus from from fulfilling what God sent him to do? Then it's the same thing for us, his body. Listen to me. Jesus said hell would never prevail over the church. I say it all the time because it is so true. That means the body of Christ doesn't lose. Well, pastor, it looks like we're losing. No, it doesn't. You're looking at the wrong thing. You got to look at the body of Christ. The body of Christ doesn't lose. Even when Paul was persecuting the body of Christ, the, the, the body of Christ was growing. It was growing. So it doesn't lose. So what am I looking at that has me in fear? What am I looking at that has me frustrated? What am I looking at that has me ready to give up? You can't be looking at the body of Christ of whom you belong to. You have to be looking at something else that is fallible. That is broken. See, the body of Christ isn't. So we are in this world, but we're not of the world. So the not of the world part is where we're supposed to stand. Is anybody feeling me today? I know this is hard for some folks, but go along with me as we read this thing. It's, it really helps us. We're going to unpack a little bit more here. Let's read on. It says, now get up. This is still talking to Saul. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. No matter what the situation is, God always has a future plan. I don't care what it is. He always has a plan. God has a plan in the city that Saul doesn't even know he's going to, but that's how well God plans for us. You have absolutely no idea what God has done for you when you did not know it. The song Waymaker says, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't know it, he's working. And this is the part we forget. This is the body of Christ. He has a plan. Paul doesn't even know what's happening to him. But God has a plan. Get up. Go into the city. There's some place. There's a person. There's a building. There's a house. There's people there waiting for you. We win, folks. But let's read on. It says, the men who were traveling with him were terrified and stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. The spirit world, the part of the world that we can't see is more powerful than the world we do see. How do I know? Gravity is real. (laughs) Can't see it. But jump off of something and see if you float up. Won't happen. Oxygen is real. Can't see it. 
but it's real. Don't believe me? Hold your breath. Your body will slap you upside your head and say, you better breathe. (laughs) So the unseen stuff. See, these people heard a voice, but they couldn't see. But the power of the unseen was more powerful than what they heard. Are y'all understanding this today? So the stuff that you're hearing about pessimism and fear and all that stuff, I'm here to tell you today, the unseen is greater. It has more power. Stop listening. Start believing. The body of Christ wins. Let me read on. Saul got up from the ground. But though his eyes (laughs) were open, he could see nothing. See, I want to dance right now. (laughs) (laughs) Again, we have to understand this is a great personal event of change in someone's life. But his eyes were open, but he couldn't see. You can't. Sometimes you just won't see what God is doing. You'll see all the mess, but you won't see the majesty. And that's what I need you to see today. See, just because it didn't kind of work out the way you wanted it to, that means God is not in it and God is taking you somewhere because he loves you. I said he's taking you somewhere because he loves you. Well, I don't want to go there. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing. You know, one of the great things that happened to me when I first came to Tomoka, <clears throat> I came here and I visited and I left and said, I'll never go back there again. There's no way I'm going back there again. Nobody. And that would have nothing to do with Tuesday church. That was just visiting on a weekend. I'm good. Thank you so much. And, um, and I left. So I go home and, 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 and I'm praying and I visit some other places and God says, go back. I'm like, come on, God. No, I'm, no, I'm good. Go back. So I came back and met with to go to a men's Bible study one early one morning on a Tuesday. And I get there. As soon as I get to the Bible study, the guy who's officiating the Bible study, one of the pastors who used to be on staff, got up and said, I'm leaving. It's my last day here. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I knew I shouldn't have came back. (laughs) I knew I shouldn't have came back here. This place is messed up. So I left that day going, I ain't ever going back down there, man. That's a mess. mess." I get a phone call two days later from one of the other men in in the Bible study, and he invites me out to lunch. I go to lunch, and at lunch he tells me, hey, listen. You know, the pastor that got up and said he was leaving, Yeah, he said, well, listen, uh, we're going to start a church and he's going to be the pastor and we want you to come on board with us. I'm like, I know trouble. I've, I've been pastor a long time. I know trouble. I can smell trouble. This, this don't smell right. So I left that lunch, drove directly back here again. God just wouldn't let me leave this place. Back to Tomoka. Made an appointment to see Joe. Joe just happened to have time that day. He said, well, come on in, brother. I go sit in his office and said, man, you got some stuff going on here, bro. I just wanted to tell you because I used to pastor. I want to pull your coat. There's such and such and such and such is going on. And he goes, well, man, thank you so much. What are you doing? It's one thing you never want Joe to ask you. 
ever. Well, what are you doing? Because the next thing you know, you'll be packing your bag, going to some country somewhere on the other side of the planet Earth on a mission trip. But he says, well, what are you doing? Again, what am I talking about here? I did not want to come. And I came here on a Tuesday because he talked about Tuesday church. And I came here on a Tuesday and I was at that table right back there in the back. And, and uh, my wife and I are praising and clapping and a lady comes up alongside me and gets real close. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is friendly. This, this is going to be great. <laughs> Make a long story short, she wasn't friendly. She was pushing me away from her seat. Because every time I'd move to give her some little personal space, she'd move closer again. Until finally I went, oh, she, I'm in her spot. So I, I decided, my wife, we moved down here. My wife left her purse on the chair. So when we got to this table, I said, I'll go back and get your purse. As I come back to get the purse, her head is turned to me as I approach. And she's telling the other lady, I told you I'd get him out of here. Again, I left Tomoka saying, I ain't ever going back down there again. I ain't ever going back down there again. And here I stand. What is it, like five years later? Here I am. Listen to me. It's either you're going to be obedient to God or you're going to be a victim of what you see. It's either you're going to be obedient to God or you're going to be a victim of what you see. Don't be a victim. See, because God doesn't lose. God has a plan for you. Let's go on with this thing. I'm try to make it quick. Saul got up from the ground, but though, but though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. So this man who was causing fear in the body of Christ all over the place is now not capable of even walking around himself by himself. He has to be led. Listen closely. It says, and he was unable to see for how long? For three days, and he neither ate nor drank. Three days, symbolic of death, burial, resurrection of Christ. In that three-day period, there's a transformation taking place in Saul's life. Saul is going from one place to another. Verse is going to help us out with this. Now, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... And he answered, here I am, Lord. <laughs> Poor Ananias don't know what he's answering to. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying there. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come in and place his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. And <laughs> Ananias, and this is going to tell us here in a minute, gets this vision. What? I'm supposed to go where? So listen to me. God had the street. He had the house. He had the homeowner's name. He had everything. So he shared, Ananias didn't have to leave out of the house wondering where he was going. He didn't have to leave out of the house going, okay, Lord, I, I don't know where I'm going. I need you to know, you don't have to walk out in your life wondering where you're going. You and your hands are in the hand of God. He's going to guide you. 
He's going to take you somewhere by faith that you've never been before, but you don't have to worry about where you're going because he already has the plan. He already has it laid out. So Ananias, hey, brother, you're going to the street called Straight. At that street is a house. The owner of the house is Judas. There's a man in there praying. You're going to go and talk to him. Isn't that good news? He's doing the same thing for you. Let's read on. But Ananias answered, and I don't blame you for this, Lord. I have heard from many people about this man, especially how much suffering and evil he has brought on your saints, God's people at Jerusalem. And here in Damascus, he has authority from the high priest to put in chains all who call on your name, confessing you as savior, as savior. But the Lord said to him, go for this man is a deliberately chosen instrument of mine. So God will guide you to a place that you think is fearful and dangerous, but God already has a plan for your presence there to help somebody or to help you. Somebody say amen. So how many, I told you before and I'll tell you again, it wasn't easy coming to Tomoka. Folks who don't clap on time. There's no organ. I grew up in a church that the organ walked across the stage on Sundays. The organ player, a choir, choir robes, marching down the aisle, singing in rhythm, in step, turning the house upside down, peeling paint off the wall. That's how I grew up. And I came here. And there was a term called Southern Gospel. <laughs> and blue, bluegrass gospel. I never heard that stuff. But in the midst of all of that, God has blessed me beyond my imagination. Because he led me somewhere that, that, I, that I didn't want to go. But because he did, it has blessed me. I need you to know it's the same God. Then, same God, now. So if you're afraid, now lose your fear. Let God take you somewhere because he hasn't failed and he won't fail. Let me finish this. Y'all okay? Is this helping? It says, but the Lord said to him, go, for this man is a deliberately chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. So he took the same man (laughs) that was persecuting him just three days ago, who was blinded and now is in Judas's house praying, God already has the plan. He said, I'm going to take him before kings. He's going to go before kings. This man, now if you make up your mind about somebody and where they're headed, you could be wrong. And you want to thank God that nobody made up their mind about you. Because <laughs> there's some folks that have some feelings about you. But thank God that God's desire for you was greater than that person's feelings. Y'all get this? Okay, almost there. It says, for I will make clear to him how much he must what? Suffer and endure for my namesake. If you look or think that suffering ain't going to be a part of your spiritual development, let me give you a secret. You're wrong. (laughs) 
But suffering in these cases is going to be a bit different. You know what we're going to suffer from? Change. We're going to suffer from a preconceived idea that we had about circumstances, situations, and people. That's what Ananias had. Ananias had a preconceived idea about who Saul was. So now his preconceived idea, he must face that idea. He must suffer through that fear. He must go face this man that he has this preconceived idea about. Why? Not because he's seen evidence of change, but because God told him that God was going to use him. So I need you to get this today. You don't need to see evidence of change. You just need to know that God is still in charge. There is nobody whose arms can reach to heaven to change the dial of the heart of God from love to hate. God loves you. So your suffering is going to be change. See, the world that we have perceived in our minds, that got to go. Because God wants you to participate in a bigger world. The world that Paul had perceived in his mind, God wanted Paul to be a part of something bigger. So what did he have to do? He had to blind him. (laughs) Eyes open, can't see nothing. And then he had to be led by the hand by people to a place. Now, Paul is a Jew of Jews and he tells us this in the Bible. He is now being handed over to some Gentiles. Jews don't even eat in the same building with Gentiles. There is no association whatsoever at all. But where's Paul headed? To the Gentiles house. But guess what? That's because he's being trained. That's where his ministry is going to be. Oh, I don't think y'all hear me today. I don't think you understand. See, we're sitting here. Y'all looking at me. You don't know what is in store for you. God is about to do something so big in your life. And you're going to end up somewhere that you never thought you would end up. And you're going to be doing the stuff that you never thought you would be doing. And you're going to be doing with the people you never thought you would associate with. Why? Because God is in charge. And when he opens up that door, there's a blessing in there so big you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine how big this thing is. So Ananias left and entered the house and he laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul. (laughs) What a transition. Why did he call him Brother Saul? Because God told him who he was going to be and what he was going to do. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came to Damascus, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to proclaim Christ to both Jews and Gentiles. You talking about great personal change? You talking about a great personal transformation? Can I ask you a question? Do you believe he's done with you? (laughs) Yeah, you might well stop it. Because he's not. You, this year, this favorable year of the Lord is one of great personal change, folks. Why? (laughs) 
(laughs) The body of Christ is so magnificent. It has no borders. It has no limits. It has none of those things. So what are we going to do? We need to be changed. We need to see things differently. Your eyes are going to have to get open. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes (laughs) and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized and he took some food and was strengthened for several days afterward. Saul remained with the disciples who were at Damascus and immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. Wait a minute. He was proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues of the places who gave him a letter to go get rid of all of these people that were in the way. He is now right back where he started from, but with a completely different message. I don't know if y'all still here today. He's right back where he started from with a completely different message. When you meet Jesus, he changes you. He don't need to change the circumstances. He doesn't need to change the environment. He just needs to change you. And then you go face whatever that environment is and you change the environment. You change the circumstances. I don't know about y'all. I'm going to say this, not because I think I'm bad or something, but you ain't the same since I've been here. And guess what? I'm not the same since I've been here. But guess what would have happened if we'd have never had this interaction? So I'm here to tell you today, even as though things are going the way they look like right now, God got you. And he's about to do something incredible in your life. Now, you can fight against him if you want to. It won't work. Your arms are too short to box with God. Almost done. It says, and immediately began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue, saying, this man is the son of God, the promised Messiah. All those who heard him continued to be what? Amazed and said, is this not the man who in Jerusalem attacked those who called on his name, on this name? See, there's people out there right now. Don't you ever try to determine someone else's future. Don't you ever try to determine who you think is going to hell. See, because if you do, I need you to know there was somebody praying that you would go to hell. There was somebody that was praying that you would not breathe another breath. But this same man is now standing in front of these people proclaiming Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The Messiah. So I don't care what crazy stuff you say. I know I said some crazy stuff. I don't know about you. I can I can talk about me because I won't get mad at myself. <laughs> I remember standing in front of my grandmother telling, I don't believe in no Jesus, man. I don't believe in that God stuff. I'm sick and tired of that. Always hearing that God stuff. And look at us. We all depressed and beat down. There ain't no God. Grandmama looked at me. Expression on her face never changed. She said, Ben, you know I love you. And I'm praying for you. And walked away. I was so mad. <laughs> Because I wanted her to be mad. You know why she didn't get mad? Because she knew the God I was talking about. And she knew my dumb words would never change that God's mind about who I am. My heart 
on the other hand, if I decided to harden my heart, that would be a whole different thing. Are y'all still here today? So what am I asking you to do? Don't harden your heart. Let God be God. There are some people out there right now. You're going, I can't stand that person. I wish that person would die. I wish that person would do such, such, and so, and so. Thank God your words don't have that power in that instant. Because God has a plan for that person. He has a plan for you. Does that make sense to y'all today? I know this might be a little hard, but it's important. Almost done. It says, and have come here to Damascus for the express purpose of bringing them bound with chains before the chief priests. But Saul increased in strength more and more and continued to perplex (laughs) the Jews who lived in Damascus by examining theological evidence and proving with scripture that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, who better to enter into this theological argument but Saul, the Jew of Jews? He knew what the word, he has entered into doing what now? The same one who wanted to prove that Jesus wasn't the Messiah is now here in the synagogues proving that Jesus beyond a doubt is the Messiah. Today, as we, I'm not even going to read the last verse, y'all, because you can read that at home. Today, I think it's important for us to understand something. We have been like running off like rogue people, just kind of running off. And there have been people telling us all kind of craziness and insanity. And some of us have felt like the body of Christ was in danger. Jesus met Saul on a Damascus road. Up until this time, there were so many Christians afraid of Saul. So many Christians who lived in fear of Saul. How do we know even Ananias was frightful? He was in fear and he expressed that to God himself. He expressed his fear of Saul to God. But God said, no, Ananias, I got him and I got you. And I need you today to understand this. God got you. He hasn't abandoned you. He got you. The body of Christ is being pruned, but it's being pruned so it can be fruitful. Individually, we get pruned so we can be more fruitful. So be encouraged today. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Oh, yeah, he, he favors you. It may not feel like it. <laughs> it may not look like it. But that's because your mind has got to change. So let me pray something for you today. You ready? I pray that God blinds you. <laughs> and I pray that he turns you over into the hands of somebody that will guide you into a deeper understanding of who he is. I pray that there's an Ananias in your life that will show up at your doorstep, lay hands on you and say, brother or sister, I got you. 
God sent me here for you. And I pray then that the scales on your eyes will fall off and you'll be able to see past what you think you are seeing right now. Because I want you to know what you are seeing right now is temporary. What God is doing is eternal. You know, I'm excited. Oh, man, I am so excited. See, because I, I know him. I, I bent, man, I was so low. He brought me up. I know him. So I'm going to say this and hopefully y'all don't get mad and fire me and don't, don't come back next week. Jesus is the Messiah of the world. Not just the United States of America. So for those of you who think that United States of America is headed somewhere horrible, you have connected that situation to Jesus. So you think the body of Christ is headed somewhere horrible. First thing I need you to do is separate those two things. He's the Messiah of the world. Of everybody on the planet Earth. Everybody. Second, ain't nobody love my country more than I do. Nobody. But we were never supposed to drape the flag over the shoulders of Jesus. And because we have, now we're fearful that the body and Jesus are the same. I hope you all understanding me today. They're not. So if you fear the future of America, don't fear, don't fear the future of the body of Christ because they're not the same. But if you fall in love with the body of Christ, guess what you won't do? Fear the future of America. Why? Because I'm here. So if I got to carry this faith by myself until you get on board, then I will. But I know this. I know this. If we put our eyes back on his body that he told Saul he was persecuting and we become part of his body and we widen our vision that everybody, Jews and Gentiles, everybody are potential Christians. And we could quit looking for pessimism. He'll turn the United States of America. I hope you understand me today. And I hope you understand how powerful this is. Paul left Jerusalem church with letters that represented their power to everybody he came in contact with. Now he's leaving Ananias' house. He's leaving Ananias' house with a power that no man can touch. Come on, y'all. Let's leave Ananias' house. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go tell the world about this Jesus. Y'all with me? Close your eyes. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your glory, your majesty, your presence. We thank you, Father. Words can never even begin to describe what you already have in store for us. The kingdom 
of God. The kingdom of God will continue to expand, continue to grow, continue to flourish. And Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray and everybody say it. God bless you. Next week, brothers and sisters, please be in front of your TV, same time, same bat station. We got another blessing for you coming next week. We have the Spoken Four Quartets going to be with us next week doing four-part harmony. So come on down so you can hear the four-part harmony. And again, some Southern Gospel Bluegrass <laughs> Quartet music. I love it. I love them. So make sure you're here next week to do the same. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.